Welcome to the St. Jose Maria Institute podcast. Did you know that listeners like you are helping to make these podcasts possible? Let us know that our podcasts are important to you by showing your support today. Visit stjosemaria.org slash give. Today in the podcast, God's love for us. Father Peter Arbenio, a priest of Opus Dei, explains why Jesus Christ is the revelation of the love of God and how the more we exercise self-giving love, the more we will experience God's love for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel and deceitful. Well, we put ourselves in the presence of our Lord, and we are going to bring to our reflection, to our conversation with Jesus, a topic that we all have a wholly vested interest in. And maybe naturally speaking, if I said, well, this is a more this is a meditation on mortification, on self-denial, my gut feeling tells me you'd be less excited. Okay. Um, or this is a meditation on bearing humiliations. All right. Well, do I have a vested interest? I guess at some level, but again, less excited. But all of us have a vested interest in knowing how to experience that God loves us. I think we all want that. And being with an American mindset, we would really like the Holy Spirit to give us a very simple, concrete help menu. Give me a help menu on how to experience that God loves me. Part of the human condition is to be fearful, to get worried, to become agitated when there is uncertainty, to question, we don't want to, but question God's love when we experience a bout of suffering, especially when we approach finals, um, whatever it may be. So, Lord, you're going to have to tell me how to do it. In this half hour of prayer, uh, I want you to give me a convincing help menu on how to experience that God loves me. We're going to meditate on some of John's Gospel. He's, he begins his Gospel by telling us that if we make the right decisions, we will have this sense that I'm loved by God. We all want that. We just got to figure out how to do it. Here goes, just in case you don't believe me. He describes the Word made flesh, which we'll meditate more on the next meditation. But he says the following. 
but to all who received him, meaning Christ, who believed in his name, the name of Jesus, he gave power to become children of God, who were not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man or woman, but of God. Right. So he's talking about that I need to believe and I need to receive him. Now, Lord, I want to know what all that is about. Tell me, Lord, what it means to believe that in your name, what is it, what, what, what's involved? Do I just intellectually believe, okay, well, it's the name of Jesus, it means Savior, and last time I checked, Jesus is the Savior of the world. What, what am I supposed to do? What, is, what does belief mean? Belief is a very loaded word, by the way. I would say if it's a toss-up between intellectual assent, and that's part of belief, and living every single word of God in the gospel, belief is more the latter than the former. Belief, and I'm going to quote a good source, his name is Pope Gregory the Great, you know, not just Pope, not just Saint, but Saint Gregory the Great, so, you know. Uh, and he says, we don't, we don't know, we don't believe by knowing, he says. We believe by doing. Right? And we're going to try to figure that out. Um, let me, God is defined in John's epistle, all these great philosophers, these great thinkers, mm -hmm. they strain their minds for uh, centuries to figure out. Uh, turn this thing off. Uh, figure out who God is. And they would say, well, he's the uncaused cause. He's a prime mover. That's Aristotle. Uh, Plato said that he is the one, he is the good, he is the beautiful. Uh, I don't know, it's kind of hard to have a personal relationship with the prime mover, or the uncaused cause, or even the one, or even the good. Um, but how is he defined? Well, he's def we, we need to do a little Greek here, I don't know if we have any classic major, I don't know Greek, but I know a few words. And there's only one word for love in English, and that's love. In Greek, I thought there was three, but I gave a homily talking, you know, quoting uh, the gospel with a Greek word for love. And uh, I was giving the homily, and someone said, well, there's a fourth one. You missed the fourth one. I go, wow. I thought I was pretty good with three. And he said, no, well, there's, there's at least four. And one is Eros. It's kind of my love for pizza, you know, uh, that's Eros, um, or uh, the love of a sunset with a temperature of 68 degrees, uh, the love of a page-turner book, okay, anything that pleases me is Eros. Right. Philia is common ground, you know, we both like history, we're both serious Christians, we both root for the Cubs, 
hope I don't hurt feelings here. This is just an example. I'm not being literal, um, etc. We share something in common. That's where you get the uh, word Philadelphia. It's, 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 it's a higher form than Eros. And then there's sorge. It's the affection you have for a kid, little little baby. That, that elicits another kind of love called sorge. That's what the anyway. That's what someone said after my homily. He said, "I missed one. I missed sorge." But agape is a self-giving love. It's a love I do good. I, I, it's a love that drives me to try to make other people happy. It's a, it's a love that uh, prompts me to serve the needs of others. It's a love that helps me to sympathize and empathize and show compassion and show mercy. It's, it's basically a giving love. And that word is agape, and that's how God is defined. He's defined as uh, agape, unadulterated, pure, infinite, self-giving love. And nobody got close to that. And, and John, heavily inspired by the Holy Spirit, says that God is that. He, he doesn't have love. He doesn't just love. He is love. He is agape, a self-giving love. And how do I... Okay, fine. Well, what do I do with that? What, the Gospel says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This unadulterated love, this infinite love, has become visible. And what does that mean? Jesus Christ is the translation of this infinite agape, this infinite love. What does God think of me? How does God view me? Look at Christ. Christ is the revelation of God's love. Now, let's use a little bit of Greek philosophy, just, just a touch, just a tad, you know, just, uh, for our purposes here. There is a, a philosophical adage that no effect is greater than the cause. Okay? So what does that mean? We're not going to... If we see a beautiful sunset, that tells us something about the origin of that sunset. If you're racking your brain, uh, figuring out a chemistry problem set, that intelligence, you are trying to decipher the intelligence that is in chemicals. All right, that tells us a little bit about God's infinite wisdom, or even these most sophisticated computers. Those are made out of God's creation. So it gives you a little bit of a glimmer. But we're going to hit love. And there's all sorts of forms of human love. I mean, there's, you know, I hope I don't hurt feelings here. Uh, there's puppy love, you know. I mean, maybe that's an arcane word, but that was popular when I was many, many years ago. Seems like centuries when I was your age. Well, puppy love. Well, it's just puppy love, but it's love. You know, it's something, you know. Uh, it's, it's the crush. It's the classical crush, okay. Uh, it's the love of two friends. Uh, that imitates God a little bit, and that gives you a little reflection of God. It is the young man and young woman who are madly in love with each other. Okay, that's a little another glimmer of God's love. It's, you know, father to son, father to daughter, mother to son, mother to daughter. Those are all little glimmers 
of God's love. And Jesus says that our relationship to God is not creature to creator, but daughter to father, son to father. And the fatherhood of God, okay, don't forget, he's not, he doesn't have a gender, but he's called father, okay? Don't ask too many questions. But anyway, he, he's called father. And scripture says, and Paul develops it even more, that motherhood, human motherhood and human fatherhood, both equally reflect the fatherhood of God. Now, one of the differences between our human parents and God is, and I try to share that with other people, is when you were born, when I was born, our parents were pretty happy with what they had. They didn't plan us out. In other words, you know, I want my daughter to be so tall, I want her to have some skills in poetry, or I want her to be a crackerjack tennis player, or I want my son to be, you know, a weightlifter. Uh, they, they took what they got, you know, with the pluses and the minuses. But what God does, and, and that's why we've got to always fight against any false low, esteem, self, low self-esteem because God planned us out. He wants each, and each one of us individually. He doesn't want somebody else. He wants us. Not only is he called my father, but he willed everything about me. I mean, just to use your language, that's awesome, okay? That my God not only loves me as a father and a mother, with the heart of a father and a mother, but he willed every dimension of me. He wants me the way I am. And so part of being this child of God is... Lord, I am happy with myself because you're happy with me. You just want my best self, but you just you, you want who I am. In this, we keep hearing this whole idea of new evangelization. Okay. And this new evangelization is is about it's it's a little different than the olden days. When I was a kid in single digits. There was kind of a more of a Catholic culture, a Christian culture. And I would say most Christians, most, most Catholics knew the facts of the Catholic faith. They knew what a sacrament was, they knew what the Eucharist was, they knew, they knew Jesus was God, you know, they knew there was three persons, one God. All right, they knew there was a heaven, hell, and purgatory. Okay, all these things. It was, everybody knew it. Uh, if you sin, you go to confession, you know, all, all those kind of common knowledge. We are in a post-Christian culture. And part of this new evangelization is that we transmit that God loves us. I'm, I've been always in awe that these popes, you know, these last three popes, you know, John Paul, Benedict and Francis. Three different personalities, three different styles. And never in the history of the church, I'm pretty convinced, 
have so many young people gravitated around popes. You know, this is an institution that is over 2,000 years old. I'm pretty certain that there's never been World Youth Days until these past three pontificates, you know, with all these young kids whooping it up and girls crying and fainting and all that. At least my World Youth Day, that's what I noticed. And what really was a powerful, you know, experience for me, at least from afar, was when St. John Paul went to Toronto to see the young people. It was the last World Youth Day. And here he is. He's just completely disfigured from the Parkinson's. You could hardly make out what he has to say. And here I am telling young people what they're like. You know, uh, I think part of the culture is, you know, a generalized ADD, okay? We need quick images and audiovisual uh, experiences and forms of entertainment. I mean, I mean, you need it more than me because uh, you grew, grew up with it. Uh, you were, uh, and the point I want to make is that you had over a million kids mesmerized by this man. He's, dro he's actually drooling, you know, on his notes. And these kids are completely taken, completely absorbed. You know, thunderous applauses. And I saw a group of kids coming back, and they were extremely happy. You know, humanly speaking, seeing this decrepit old man in a wheelchair who, you know, he's, he's, you can't make out exactly what he's saying because the Parkinson's is affecting his tongue, his facial muscles. And they felt tremendously compensated. Even though the culture is the superstar, the movie star, the great athlete, you know, the person with a good physical appearance. And I'm asking myself, well, why do they go? You know, if we're, not in a, in a, if we're not in a heavily Christian culture, how did he draw so much? With the press saying that given this stage of his life, he's not going to get much of an audience because of his physical state, because he's disfigured, he's not, he's not attractive. You know, he was maybe in his younger days, but not anymore. And I had to conclude that everybody wants to experience this love of God. And that's, what, and that's what's going on. And these, these, these popes have transmitted this truth. Hey, God loves you. And you've got you've to transmit that to your friends and to your family before anything else. You know, by the way you treat people, by your joy, by your serenity... Uh, we need to witness, more than teach, Je Jesus used the word, we, we need to witness, God loves me. Now, maybe I could just share another observation. Uh, here, I, I, I'm name dropping here. Well, I was able to see for a few years someone who got beatified at close range. Where, you know, and it was kind of surrealistic because I'd be in a room like this with him. He was the, pre he was the successor of St. Jose Maria. Now he's Blessed Alvaro. And we'd be in a room like this, you know, gathered around, and he would instruct us and just, you know, exchange words, enjoy our company, we'd enjoy his. And I got the impression, and it wasn't just me, that he did not have any problems whatsoever, Alvaro del Portillo. He was always smiling, 
He was always laughing. He would say humorous things. He liked a good laugh. He played down problems. Uh, he, he was just very, very serene. And if you would just observe him, you say, here's one person who doesn't have a care in the world. He doesn't have any worries. In fact, he gave this impression in such a deep way that the, the rector of our group, when I was preparing for the priesthood, gathered us about and said, listen, pray for, at that time he was head of Opus Dei, who was called the father. He said, pray for the father because don't be deceived that he doesn't have any problems or he doesn't have any issues to deal with. Just because he has that kind of demeanor doesn't mean he doesn't have any problems. So fast forward 30 plus years later, and I'm reading, you know, some of the contemporary history of, of Alvaro del Portillo, and I realize in these biographies, this big fat biography written in Spanish, he had all sorts of health issues and all sorts of, um, uh, he was experiencing slanders and, and, and and people cons conspiring against uh, some of the work he was doing um, and running into all sorts of roadblocks in his, in his work in, in, in running Opus Dei. And it, I didn't have a clue. I mean, I would never know it by watching him that, that he had some problems he had to face, that he had health issues, that... Uh, he was experiencing, uh, you know, slander, you know, when St. Josemar was going to be beatified, and there was a lot of very difficulties, there was a lot of uh, calumnies written in the press, and never seemed to be affected by it. In fact, there's a, you know, humorous story, you're not going to, you know, you may not break out into peals of laughter, but he was um, on a trip through Italy. And he, and the, you know, the, in, in Italy, it seems like there's no speed limit. The speed limit is no, is is limitless. Okay, and the way these Italians, you know, drive around these mountains, they're going, you know, 65 miles an hour when you should be going uh, 20. And uh, you, they're good drivers, but you know, one 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 false move, you're in the afterlife. There's no margin of error. You know, you don't even have to go to the emergency room. Uh, if you call purgatory the emergency room, well, I guess that's the emergency room. So, you know, you got to be really careful. And um, so he was making a pilgrimage somewhere, and he was with St. Jose Maria. There's four guys in the car, maybe five guys in the car. And they skidded, and the car started to spin. And, uh, and it, was, it was halfway over a cliff, and the drop was something like let's say 300 feet, 500 feet. And the driver was convulsing with fear. And I heard, it, heard the story from another person who was actually in that car. This was in the uh, late 50s. And he was convulsing with fear. He just he couldn't even talk. He couldn't even control his hands. His, you know, the knees were knocking. I mean, you know, he said it was amazing how, how, how afraid everybody was, except for... Alvaro del Portillo and Jose Maria Escrivá. 
They were, okay, it's a cliff, no problem. And what was going on there? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, don't don't be on a guilt trip if you know you're not going to go over a cliff. But just in case you go halfway over, and you're scared, don't 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 feel guilty. All right. I think I think it's a normal reaction. All right. Um, but their sense, in other words, the takeaway is their sense of being loved by God was so profound that even emotionally. When you're halfway off the cliff, I don't know, they yawned. Okay, well, well, let's get the car back on the road. And it's not just them, any, all these saints, and I mean, I don't think we should classify, I know people are into temperaments. Uh, well, saints are a bunch of flags, okay, because they're never, they're never rattled by anything. Well, they are too. But in general, Part of this holiness is this trust in, in, in God's love. And what does that mean? If, God, if, if we really trust that God loves us, we take to heart what St. Paul says, all things work out for the best for those who love God. If you love somebody and you don't want them to suffer, can you imagine how God doesn't want you to suffer? God bless. But what God wants is what? Well, why does he permit suffering then? I mean, you know, he's God. Uh, one of the perks of being God is that he, you know, he calls the shots. He could remove things. He could remove my defects. He could remove my issues. He could make my life smooth sailing. Why doesn't he? He wants me to be a saint. Because as a saint, I am at my happiest. Okay, Lord, I don't trust you enough. Um, this is, I'm a captive audience, but right now this is uh, perhaps a bit theoretical for me. What do I need to do to experience how much God loves me? All right? How do I, how do I grow in this sense that I am, in my case, a son of God, in your case, a daughter of God, and that no matter, that all things work out for the best, our Lord gives us, here's the, oh, we got to go, but I have another, okay, well, thank God I got another half hour. Not now, don't panic, I mean, and later on. All right, what does he say? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Commandments here mean the gospel, it doesn't mean the Ten Commandments. You will keep my commandments, it doesn't say just learn them, he says keep them. And what does that mean? It means Praying about every word Jesus says and making it my own. Okay, that's what he said. That, that's the help venue. All right. I, I meditate on the gospel. He who keeps my commandments, he it is who loves me. All right, here goes. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. In other words, I will notice the love of the Father. I mean, the Father loves us no matter what. We could be terrible sinners, and, and, and we're, we're loved by the Father. But if I unite myself in Christ, the more I do that, the more I sense the love of God. My conduit to this experience of the love of God 
is following Jesus Christ, who is the mirror image of the love of God. And so, so two things I've got to do, and we will go out a little bit more. Uh, I've got to meditate on his life, and because every word he says is an instruction on how to exercise self-giving love, whether you call it humility, call it service, call it affection, call it empathy, call it sympathy, call it compassion, call it fortitude. Everything in the gospel teaches us how to exercise this self-giving love. So the more I do that, the more I sense that God is love, and I am not, and I am an object of that love. My relationship with God is nothing less than child to father. So we turn our attention to Mary. Uh, one quick, let's, Mary is another manifestation. In fact, she completes this revelation of the, the love of the father. Jesus is the culmination of this revelation of the love of the father. And Mary also completes this. She shows us another side of God the Father. Uh, and so we go to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and we ask her to ingrain this point of the way in our hearts. Jesus is your friend, the friend with a human heart like yours, with most loving eyes that wept for Lazarus. And as much as he loved Lazarus, he loves you. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Thank you for listening to the St. Jose Maria Institute podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave a rating or review on iTunes. For more resources and podcasts like this one, go to stjosemaria.org. That is stjosemaria.org.